Having more predictability and simplicity in the business where there's like a, a straight through line from prospecting, sales, account management, and account fulfillment, those are the core elements of the business that I'd advise on. Welcome to the Happy Clients Podcast, brought to you by Dot & Company. Whether you're a virtual assistant, an agency owner, or a client-facing account manager, we all deal with clients. Lucky for you, client management is what we do best. Now, let's dig in, chat cam life, and have some fun along the way. Cheers to Happy Clients. Well, Alex, welcome to our podcast. We're pumped to have you. We want to hear all about you, Alex, and your story and how you got here. Um, so why don't you take it away and tell our listeners all about you. Tell us everything. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, we're going to be here for a while. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, first off, uh, Katie and Taylor, thanks so much for having me. Uh, really appreciate it. Excited uh, to be here with you. So basically uh, what I do uh, is I run a digital marketing agency for personal injury attorneys, although uh, I loosely use the term run because um, I don't do anything for that company any longer. I set it up initially and then I've handed it off completely to amazing account managers, thankfully. Not really because of my systems, but more so because they're really good at building the system. So I can't take credit for it um, <laughs> as much as I would like to. Uh, kind of fell a little bit ass backwards into it. So I still do have clients that are attorneys. Um, I don't know what cons- like like constitutes running a marketing agency versus being in a freelance side of things. We do have clients we've been working with since 2010, which is pretty amazing when you consider it. Uh, we run Google advertising for personal injury attorneys. Um, and because they make so much money per case, you basically just have to give them two quality cases a quarter, uh, and they're going to be more than happy and satisfied to never leave. Cool. Um, that's pretty much what happens, which is great. It's a great experience for me, but it allows me to focus on my main focus, which is prospecting on demand. Prospecting on demand is a mentorship program and community uh, for agency owners and coaches, mostly agency owners though, um, looking to build a business more efficiently, not just scaling for the sake of scaling, but looking to build a business that isn't really just an imprisonment and another job. It's funny how most entrepreneurs want to create time and financial freedom, but basically every decision they make is based solely on financial growth instead of the uh, time availability that they really have um, out of fear of handing off to other account managers or they have to do everything themselves or helicopter parenting their clients or only focusing on revenue metrics instead of profitable gains and how they can free up their time. So we kind of go the in a different angle than a lot of other coaching programs that are like, we'll help you make a hundred grand in 90 days. Right. We're just here to help you build a better business. That's what we do. That is so cool. How did you get here, Alex? Like what took you from like, were you living the corporate life and you hated no. it? No or way. were you born an entrepreneur? How did you kind of get to this freelance entrepreneur coaching mentor life? Yeah. So keeping in mind that I've been running a marketing agency and or coaching for over a decade, it's hard to synthesize all of it super fast, but I'll do kind of like an overview and then we can dive into any individual part. When I was in, um, when I was in high school, both of my parents uh, were entrepreneurs and it really inspired me to do something that I was passionate about. But even with that, I don't think I had the drive in high school 
um, to put in the work necessary to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to go a more conventional route. I wanted to be either become an attorney, which is how I ended up working with the attorneys, or I wanted to do uh, psychology. And then I kind of went into the middle, which was criminal psychology. And I learned a lot about it. And I spent four years at UCF uh, seeing if I wanted to do this. And my first externship, as soon as I graduated, uh, I went to a behavioral uh, forensic psychologist. I did an externship with him for two months and very quickly realized that I had just wasted uh, four years. Oh. <laughs> yeah, wasn't ideal. But here's the weird thing. <laughs> In between that was the time between high school graduation and starting school. At that time, when I went to school, I thought I was going to do pre-law and become an attorney. My next door neighbor was a personal injury attorney. I went over to his house. I became an intern for him for the summer between high school graduation and college. And I remember his first comment before he started driving was, Alex, why do you want to become an attorney? And I gave him that 18-year-old like inspirational response of, I want to make a difference in the world and I want to do something that matters and you know whatever it was. And his response was, my mission in the next two months is to make sure you do not become an attorney. That was what he said to me. Um, he then went on as we drove from his ha our house in Hollywood, Florida to Miami Beach, uh, Dade County Courthouse, why being an attorney is the worst job ever, especially being a personal injury attorney, helping people that are you know usually terrible people who got into drunk driving accidents, helping them get out of court or get out of uh, you know points or whatever it is. It, 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 was a, it was a lot to handle and a quick realization. Thereafter though, Basically, right away, he Facebook had started uh, Facebook business pages, brand new at that time. I think this is like 2009, 10, and then ads started soon thereafter. So he asked me to start posting for him every day on Facebook because he had a belief that it would soon become really important on Google to be posting on Facebook, which obviously he was very right. He understood SEO without knowing what SEO was. Um, and he also understood the value of building and list building and creating kind of this local celebrity style business. Um, so I started doing that, started learning about ads slowly thereafter. Uh, and I actually uh, got him to pay me $1,000 a month when I was going to school. After doing that for him for six months, he started telling me that cases were coming through from our constant contact emails um, and that it was working really well and he wanted to keep doing it. And this was great side money in college, but I still didn't put the two and two together. I didn't uh, put the idea that this could legitimately be a business. I was still going to school to become a you know, criminal psychologist. That was my thought. This was just how I was going to pay for school and how I was going to make extra money. So when I was there, I thought logically, well, you went to law school, right? So I'm in Orlando now. Do you know anyone in Orlando that you went to law school with that could potentially become a client of mine as well? And not only did he send me someone in Orlando, he sent me 20 attorneys that he went to law school with that he was uh, fraternity brothers with um, across the United States. And there was no sales calls that I had to do. It was like, oh, Lloyd sent you? Cool. Money done. Let's do it. Whatever he says, let's go. So about 10 of these people became clients uh, instantly. And I suddenly had a six-figure business if I had retained them for a year, which I definitely did not, but I thought I could. Um, and I was starting to make about $10,000 a month. Uh, and I was dating my wife at the time, Shira. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, but we were dating and I asked her to help me. Uh, so we would wake up before classes every day at eight o'clock and put together a plan for what we would post for every single client and the constant contact newsletters and get uh, you know information from the NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and post and do constant contact emails and try not to do the same stuff. We did that for four years. Um, and it's crazy to me how I say this, and I, I didn't realize for this amount of time where I would generate anywhere from $5,000 to $15,000 a month, that there was some real business opportunity. But again, I, I just don't think I, I understood it because my, my brain was so focused on the conventional path. 
Um, and then fast forward to when I realized the criminal psychology was not right for me and I felt like I was back at square one. Okay, well, uh, I can give this agency a, a shot, except I didn't know what an agency was. I had never even heard of a marketing agency. I didn't even consider that that was a thing. Um, and so instead of doing that, I went back to something else that I'm really passionate about, which is sports. And we can talk about that too, but it's pretty interesting how the, the eight years I had a business in front of me that I didn't really understand until probably three years after college, um, which was around like 2014, 15, when I realized um, there's actually a real business model when I saw a Ty Lopez ad. Um, and that was the first time I was like, oh my God, I do that. That's what I do right now. This is crazy. And then I bought his course, which was terrible. Uh, and then I saw better ads um, from Dan Henry and uh, Dave Rogenmoser. And when I bought Dave Rogenmoser's program, it really enlightened me to what I was capable of. And I didn't realize it until then. And that's when I started building the marketing agency. It's when I connected with Reach Local, which was my uh, marketing agency's backend, the fulfillment provider, uh, and started understanding how to generate new cases for the attorneys, which was infinitely more valuable than doing constant contact or social media. And that is the same business uh, that I have today with some of the same clients that I've had since 2010. Um, and 2015 when we really started it. So that's kind of like in a nutshell yeah. how it occurred. It's pretty crazy though in retrospect. Yeah, wow. there's so many takeaways there. And just to like understand your journey just like is so important in terms of how people sometimes stumble or sometimes organically fall into entrepreneurship um, and learning those lessons and identifying them. I know that's super valuable, especially to somebody that might kind of be in those shoes and be like, I don't want to do this crummy law degree. For sure. Let me run ads. <laughs> but if that comes full circle, Alex, so you started with kind of those two clients and then you're networking, you're kind of doing your thing in your community and expanding. How many clients are on your roster now or that you like to kind of keep in the hopper in yeah. 2021? So up until now, we've had about eight attorneys work with us for 10 years. Um, and multiple, each one of those attorneys has multi-locations. Um, so I always count them as one client, but they pay as if they're individual clients. Each of them have anywhere from two to four locations, uh, except two OG clients that were still from Lloyd's recommendation all the way back in 2010. Um, we don't do the same service then anymore, thankfully. It's just Google Ads. It's the only thing we do. Nothing else. No SEO, no content marketing, nothing. Just Google Ads. Makes it really simple. Yeah. This is calls we booked you this month or got you this month. These are the opportunities you had uh, and it just makes sense. So I wanna talk a little bit about your training for agencies and what you see is kind of the must haves for agencies or maybe things to stay away from. So when you're coaching new agencies or maybe even agencies who've been around for a couple of years, what are some of the main things that you are telling them are must haves within their business? It's a great question. So I'll give you a couple of thoughts uh, right off the top of my head. The first thing that I want to do is understand the bridge concept. So the bridge concept is really important to me in any coaching environment or any sales environment, which is very easy to understand visually. So if you're here right now, whatever here is for you, whether it's I'm at 50K a month or at 5K a month or 500,000 a month, it's irrelevant. Whatever here is for you right now, where do you want to go, right? A lot of people have no clarity on their long-term goals. Uh, or what they're trying to achieve. And so they always feel stuck or complacent. What I try to help people understand, especially entrepreneurs, is that 
this is an infinite game. You're playing a game that allows you to run this as however long you like with your decision. You're the puppet master in this scenario. But if you don't know where you're going, right? So you're just getting in the car and driving for the sake of driving. You don't know how many you know restroom stops you have to make. You don't know what food to bring on the trip with you. You don't know what type of clothes to bring with you because you're just driving, you're getting off at random exits. You don't know where you're going. You're always gonna feel like you're a bit lost, right? Even if you have all the material that you need, you'll still feel a bit lost. So my goal is to always identify the bridge concept. If you're here, where do you really want to go? What do you actually want to achieve financially and with your time? That is the biggest, most important thing for me for anyone that I work with. Starting off with understanding here you are, here's where you want to be with your finances and with your time. What's the obstacle to achieving that so we can bridge the gap? That's the first step for anyone that I was going to work with or anyone that we speak to in the space. Because I think a lot of people look online um, and they look at other people's highlight reels of how much money they're making, even though it's most of the time revenue instead of profit. So they don't really even know how much a company's making. They're like, oh my God, this person in the med spa space is making $100,000 a month. And I'm like, you don't even know their profit though. And what does it matter? That, that's not you. It's irrelevant. Do you want to make $100,000 a month? Why? What does it do for you? What's the purpose behind it? Most people are afraid to be complacent. For me, there's a difference between being complacent and being satisfied, right? You're allowed to be satisfied without being complacent. I want the people that I work with to find satisfaction and fulfillment in their business versus you always have to move forward. If you're not moving forward, you're stuck, you're moving backwards. I feel like that hustle culture, that hustle environment is cancerous to agency owners, to entrepreneurs. It's how people hate the job that they started to avoid hating the job they would have as in corporate, it's very strange. I felt this way before too. Um, and I know a lot of people uh, want to avoid that strictly. So that to me is like the first thing that needs to be in place. The bridge concept, where are you now? Where do you wanna be? What's the obstacle holding you back? And then we can put together a plan, but there has to be a reasoning to get to that destination so that this doesn't happen. Let's say the destination is a peak, like we're climbing a mountain. What ends up happening is you climb to this mountaintop, to this peak that you've wanted. Let's say in this scenario, it's $50,000 recurring revenue per month. And you hit that peak and you're like, great. Okay, now let's go to 100. You didn't even take a second to breathe, to enjoy, to experience it, to reflect, to consider what you were learning from this. You're just now back and climbing. At some point, you're going to burn out. Your arms are going to burn out. Your legs are going to burn out and you're going to fall back. You're going to fall back either back down to the 50K peak or worse, go backwards altogether. So that's like the first baseline foundation that I'm looking for for anyone I work with. In terms of a less ethereal idea, like in terms of very deliberate things that I'm trying to identify, it's, it's breaking down the business into three core tenets, prospecting, sales, and fulfillment. Some people like to further break that down into just two core tenants, which is client acquisition and fulfillment, which I'm fine with. Any way you want to break it down is completely fine with me. I don't argue with people on semantics. I just make sure that our semantical language is the same. So the reason I break it down in those three specifically is for this reason. Most people that say they need help in sales actually have a prospecting issue because they don't have enough sales calls in the first place, right? That's why if you want to combine it with client acquisition, fine, then it's prospecting and sales. Prospecting is how you generate leads consistently in a predictable manner. That's not just referrals or not just by hoping and praying that they come, but a legitimate procedural process. An opportunity consistently is coming through, whether it's from ads, outbound prospecting, LinkedIn, direct mail, door knocking, whatever it is, cold calling, doesn't matter, but some sort of very strategic process. For any company that wants to get past $50,000 a month and they run ads, 
I just want to make this clear, like it's unbelievably hypocritical to not run ads for your own company or a marketing company that asks companies to run ads. It's almost mind blowing how many agency owners are fearful of running their own ads. It's like, how do you expect to, to grow? How do you expect to exp- explain on a sales call? How do you know that this works? Well, you saw an ad, clicked on the ad, you're on this call with me, you're gonna pay me money because this is the right fit. That's how it works. <laughs> It's pretty simple. So that to me, baseline, having a prospecting system. If you're already past $20,000 in revenue, it should immediately be ads. Honestly, if you're past 10,000, it should be immediately ads. It's not that you should neglect outbound prospecting, but outbound prospecting is always a means to an end, which is having enough revenue to invest 10% back minimum into advertising. That's first. Second is a sales process, not just what happens on sales calls, but ensuring people show up to sales calls. No show rates in this industry are very high. Um, on average, you'll see like a 70, 30 rate, sometimes like 70% show, 30% no show. And that's pretty good. I've seen plenty of people that have it on the opposite, like 40, 60, 40% show up, 60% don't show. You have to have a really good show up sequence. Um, my biggest recommendation is have the automations, but having an account manager or an ISA just call day up, like, hey, uh, we're looking forward to your appointment today at this time. Not asking, a lot of people ask, They already confirmed. You don't have to ask. You speak in affirmation, not in question. So, hey, you have a call scheduled with Taylor today at four. We're looking forward to speaking with you. She's going to have a Zoom link ready for you. We'll see you then. Not, hey, are you ready for your call with Taylor today at four? Oh, can we reschedule? You're opening the door for them by questioning whether they're confirming. It's a pretty huge mistake that a lot of agency owners do. So sales process doesn't just include what happens on the sales call. It also includes your offer itself. Do you have one specific offer framework in general, or do you have like 17 offers? We like to call this uh, Taylor and, and Katie, the, the Frankenstein agency. It's very common that we see this where it's like, I have 18 clients, 16 have different offers and 15 of them have different prices. I'm like, oh my, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> There's no predictability uh, or scalability in this company at all. Everything is different. Every single fulfillment model is different. As you both know it for account management, isn't it a lot easier to have account management when the avatar is the same over and over and over and over and over and over, and then 10 minutes later and over and over and over? <laughs> yeah, that's the idea, right? What ends up happening though is if you're trying to have an account manager hired from Dot but you have uh, seven attorneys, five chiropractors, and three gyms, all with different prices, all with different needs, all with different models. It's very hard to manage something like that. It becomes really challenging to create predictability. And then what ends up happening is the owner wears all the hats because like, I, I can do it. I know all about it. It's like, that, that's not the point though. That's not the point. So sales doesn't just include the actual call itself. Make sure you have a good offer. You have a good process in place. They show up. What happens to get paid on the call? call you a service level agreement afterwards and then you can go from there so that's sales kind of in a nutshell for me and then the last thing of course is fulfillment and fulfillment is really broken down in my opinion to two specific things one is what dot is amazing at which is account management the client facing aspect and then the actual fulfillment itself which is the execution of the service a lot of agency owners um, get a little annoyed when i say this i do it mostly for shock value not in a demeaning or or rude way but it has a good shock value like most agency owners aren't real business owners. They're client acquisition farms. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just the reality is your company is, I'm going to sell this attorney, this $3,000 product, and then I'm going to hand them off to a white label company. There's nothing wrong with that in general. I think some people like to argue like on a moral stance of like, is it appropriate to be a middleman and like make profit? 
I mean, I think uh, there's not a lot of like ground to stand on with this. Like every industry has middlemen, um, like real estate, for example, you could buy or sell a home without a real estate agent and save money, but you know, you do it for ease of use. It's the same idea. So um, I don't think there's like a moral ambiguity or issue with it. I just think it is true to say you don't have a legit company you have a client acquisition company. Again, not a problem, but if you want to have a legitimate company, you have to have internal team internal team that can do fulfillment, that understand how to generate results for your clients through Facebook ads, SEO, whatever it is, Google, et cetera. And then the account management side, someone that can communicate with your clients, report to your clients, answer questions, firefighting, especially for larger agencies. And I'm sure you both see this all the time, having more predictability and uh, simplicity in the business where there's like a, a straight through line from prospecting, sales, account management, and account fulfillment. Those are like the core elements of the business that I'd advise on. Love that. So for agency owners, you know, a lot of our target market is the mid-sized agency who are starting to scale up, starting to hire. What do you recommend as someone's first hire? Man, it's a really good question. It's like an impossible answer to have for every person though. I think it, it really comes down to what the owner wants to do. I, I think a lot of agency owners, especially entrepreneurs just in general, regardless of whether or not you run an agency, I think a lot of people forget that they have the, the choice. Like it's, it's your choice to identify what you wanna do with your life and your business. I, I recommend most people I work with to read two books, two. Traction by Gina Wickman, which is basically like a textbook and terrible to read, but the value from it is so immense because it talks about how to build a conventional business with appropriate hiring and appropriate organization chart. And then essentialism, which is the disciplined pursuit of less, like the idea of building a business that facilitates your life, which is the entire mantra of POD, building a business that facilitates your life. If you want to do sales, and that's something you're very passionate about, then you shouldn't be hiring a salesperson as your first hire. If you absolutely hate communicating with clients and you have enough clients to do it, you should be hiring dot or account managers. I think the reality is like, people wanna pigeonhole this a lot and be like, what's the first hire you should make? It's an impossible question without identifying what the CEO, what the person running the ship, the leader, the visionary wants to actually do. If you wanna build a conventional marketing agency, what's the first hire you should make? It's a toss up between one or two things. An in-house media buyer that can get results for your clients, but if you don't have clients, it wouldn't make sense to do that. Secondarily would be a headhunter, a prospector, not a salesperson, those are two different hires. A headhunter, I like to call them headhunters. I don't think some people appreciate that term, which is fine. A prospector, someone to bust down the doors and create you opportunities so that you can take sales calls. That would be the more conventional model. If you're saying conventionally pigeonholed, what should it be? Probably a prospector every single time. If you already have a business and you're kind of handling everything yourself, wearing all the hats, probably um, two things would be internal uh, media buying and account manager to hand off client support so that you can scale from there. Is there any sort of magic sauce to hiring in-house or maybe white labeling? Or how do you differentiate when each is necessary? The way that I, I believe like a company should be built is everything should be internal. But as I said, like if the entrepreneur themselves strongly believe uh, in building their own unconventional business, who am I to tell them that everything has to be in-house? When you see the majority of people in the industry, because this is the reality, majority of the people in the industry, I don't have a real number, any number I would say would be completely fake, but it's definitely the majority, don't have in-house media buying. It's usually white labeled to other marketing companies, right? 
when you consider that, then you have to also understand like, okay, that's their choice, either out of fear or need or desire or apathy, whatever it is, we don't have the answer. So for me, the one thing I, I'm pretty, uh, you know, like stringent on is making sure you have an in-house media buying team so that you can legitimately have prospecting, sales, and media buying in-house. If we want to talk about account management, I could see immense value in having a company like that come in, take over the account management and free up significant amount of your time, go from a level two higher that you would get essentially that can kind of manage account management to a level 10 elite higher that understands each element of this company and can ensure that your your clients are going to get the highest quality account management. That gives you a lot of freedom, time and uh, time-wise and uh, mental peace to be able to go focus on new client acquisition and then hand it off. So I think my like big thing, especially in POD, I'm a big believer in ensuring the media buying is in-house. Outside of that, I'm pretty open to any ideas. As we wrap up here, Alex, this has been so informative and super high value, but where can people find out more about you, more about POD? Easiest way to find me uh, is prospectingondemand.com or on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called The Seven Figure Culture. We're the only one that has seven figure in their name. That's a joke. There's like 10,000. Um, <laughs> like, so, really? Uh, Sell for it. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Schlinsky, which is S-C-H-L-I-N-S-K-Y. Well, thank you Perfect. so much, Alex. It was so yeah. great to have you on. And I'm sure we'll be connecting lots very soon with your community and you. Yeah, thank you Let's so much. Let's have you on the pod next. Yes. Can't Perfect. wait. Can't wait. Cheers to happy clients.